In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Lord Jesus, in your presence, we can reflect on, pray about another one of the traditional practices of Lent, almsgiving. And like prayer and fasting, these have a root in the gospel. This is from Matthew 6. Every year on Ash Wednesday, we read from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. And there our Lord talks about practices of piety which have become the traditional practices of Lent. Prayer, almsgiving, and fasting. And this is what he says about giving alms. Thus, when you give alms, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. In addition to encouraging almsgiving, and this is something that we should all do to be generous with our means and contribute to different good charitable works or people who are in need, Our Lord's passage here really seems to be more about purity of intention. He doesn't say give alms, although of course he wants us to give alms. He says when you you do give alms, do it this way. Don't do it for the praise of men. Sound no trumpet before you. He wants us to do it with a pure intention, right? For love, for the good of the other person and for the love and glory of God. And our Lord, in his incredible way of putting things, says, when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So it's like, don't sound your trumpet before men to win their praise. And don't even sound your trumpet in your own heart to praise yourself. When you do good things, watch out for self-love because self-love adulterates or poisons your good deeds. Do them for love, which is for the sake of the other, for for the good and the sake of the other and and the glory and the sake of God. This reminds us of St. Paul's Ode to Charity in Corinthians And he says, if I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And so no matter how grand and good and powerful and transformative and effective our actions are, however good they might be, if they're not stemming from the root of love, as St. Augustine would put it, 
if they don't come from the root of love, St. Paul says, I gain nothing. I'm a noisy gong. I'm a clanging symbol without love. And so we can ask you, Lord, help us with this. Help us to set our purity of intention firmly to be selfless, to do things truly for the sake of others and for the sake of you and for your glory. St. Josemaria would use a phrase, he would say, we need to be aristocrats of love. Aristocrats of love. And we know that aristocrats are refined. They're snobby when it comes to the quality of different things in their life. And without being too snobby uh, or snooty ourselves, that's a good image. When it comes to love, we need to be very refined. We need to be highbrow, where we only accept high-quality love from ourselves. And paradoxically, this is the best way to love ourselves. To love ourselves the best is not to so much to feel good about ourselves or to receive the praise of others or to fill ourselves up with goodies, but to fill ourselves up and to be vessels of the most important thing, the greatest thing, the thing that brings the greatest joy, which is love of God and love of others. Lord, help us to be connoisseurs of love. That my charity, Lord, be true and that it be pure. That I love you for your sake and for your glory. And that I love others truly for your sake and to help them. And not because of any reputation or gratitude or affection that comes back to me from others. You can say we need to be connoisseurs of love. A connoisseur really knows the difference between high-quality wine or whatever his thing is and something of poorer quality. You can detect it right away. And so, too, with our charity, we want to be connoisseurs. We want to have a, a great sensitivity to any voluntary lack of care, any voluntary indifference, any voluntary ill will that we foster or consent to, or that may motivate our action, that we be sensitive to any self-serving motives, to sometimes we can have double motives, and and that's fine. We have to work on these things. Obviously, it's deep in us to want to be loved by others, to want to have a good reputation, to want to feel good about life and about and about ourselves. And so many times we're going to do things, yes, for the love of God and yes, to help others. But there's a kind of a secondary hidden motivation in there that that needs to be purified. And so we just need to be aware of that and keep telling our Lord that we want to do things with this better love, this pure love, keep resetting our intention rectifying our intention, as the traditional terminology says, right? To rectify our intention. But all the while, right? Not settling, not settling for poor quality love. I have a good friend who is a a serious wine aficionado connoisseur. And he invited me over to dinner with his family, his wife. They had put the kids to bed already before 
dinner started. And so, of course, I, um, you know, you think, well, I should bring something. And so the typical thing you bring to a dinner is a bottle of wine. But then I thought, gosh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to buy wine for this guy because I don't, I don't know anything about it at all, especially not compared to him. And I'm not going to spend, you know, an hour Googling these things to find out what's in my price range and what wouldn't be offensive to his, to his palate, right? And so what I did was I went, uh, I went to my wheelhouse. I said, well, I'm just going to bring a bottle of limoncello, right? I'm a Jersey Italian. And so who doesn't like limoncello? And in the back of my mind, I thought it was kind of funny that he would think it was kind of gauche to uh, drink or be presented with limoncello, and we would have a good laugh over it. So I bring the limoncello, and uh, immediately his wife was like, oh, I love limoncello. That's awesome. Thanks so much. I said, yeah, it's got to be chilled, so we can't have it tonight. Put it in the, put it in the fridge. So it worked out. But that's the thing, right? We can't, um, we, we have to be more like the connoisseur of wine or the connoisseur of limoncello, whatever your, whatever your thing is. But when it comes to charity, the best, right? The best. St. Paul, very helpfully, is constantly painting pictures of charity, pictures, portraits of the Christian heart. The most famous one, of course, we quoted some of it that, Incredible passage from Corinthians where he talks about what charity is like and how important it is, how essential it is. But there's another one in Ephesians, which I find very helpful and very beautiful. St. Paul writes in the, in the fourth chapter of Ephesians, Therefore, putting away all falsehood, let everyone speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. That's an incredible thing, right? We are members of one another. And Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. And a little bit sometimes we think, well, that's kind of impossible because I am myself and the other person is not me. And so since I'm so close to myself, how can I love them as myself? And our union in the church, our union in the body of Christ our union with the person of Christ through the sacraments breaks down the wall between me and at least all Christians, all baptized Christians. We are members one of another. And in a certain sense, God's love extends, of course, God's love extends beyond all Christians to every single human being. And so insofar as we're, we are together as objects of God's love, so too we belong to each other. There's not that much of a difference between me and anyone else in the world. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands so that he may be able to give to those in need. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for edifying, as fits the occasion, that it may impart grace to those who hear. 
Charity and speech. Lord, how easily do I fall into gossip or backbiting or complaining about other people? Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for edifying as fits the occasion that it may impart grace to those who hear. Lord, that my words, that my speech be an opportunity for others to be enlightened and and to feel loved and to know you. That my speech may proceed, again, as St. Augustine says, from the root of love. Right? Everything that proceeds from the root of love is okay. And so Augustine says, love and do what you will. And we can also say, love and say what you will. If our speech proceeds from an intention of charity and is trying to be charitable, we're going to avoid lack of charity in our speech. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, St. Paul continues, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God in whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What an expressive image. I don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Don't disappoint the Holy Spirit in whom you were sealed. And we know from, from Romans, St. Paul says, Hope does not disappoint because the love of God with the Holy Spirit has been poured into your heart. And so the love of God with the Holy Spirit, or the love of God, we could say, who is the Holy Spirit, has been poured into our heart. And so that means that God is in us trying to love through us. God's love, the Holy Spirit, is in us trying to love others through our love, through our charity. And when we voluntarily give in to lacks of charity or to indifference or to gossip or to malice or to any form of a lack of love, a lack of charity, we grieve the Holy Spirit, we disappoint the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like we keep him on a short leash. You know, you might have an exuberant puppy and he wants to run and play and jump on you and do all these things and get outside. And you keep him in the cage all day or, you know, you take him outside, but he's on that very short leash. And he's grieved, right? He doesn't like that. He's disappointed. He would rather have much more freedom. And so this is the Holy Spirit in our heart. He's there. He wants to love others. He wants to forgive others. He wants to understand others. And at times, Lord, we keep your spirit on a short leash. We grieve the spirit with our lack of charity. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Very important, St. Paul doesn't say that we won't feel bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander and malice. He doesn't say we won't be tempted to those things or feel those things. He says, put them away. And when they come up, put them away from you. It's like what he said about anger a few verses before. Be angry, but do not sin. You might feel anger. You might be angry for a, a while. But don't let it affect your will. Don't let it affect your charity. Rather, be kind to one another. This is how you should act. And these are the sentiments you should foster or try to foster. 
And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. One of the greatest ideas of St. Josemaria, in my opinion, is the point where he writes that understanding more than giving is the greater part of charity. The greater part of charity consists more in understanding than in giving. And the word understand is expressive and it helps us to understand why charity is so closely connected to understanding other people. Right In our modern English, to understand is to stand under. Right, And so to understand someone is to support them or to bear them or to bear with them, right? to stand under them. And when we do, when we get someone, when we understand their situation, well, we become capable of bearing with them or bearing them. St. Paul says, bear one another's burdens. Because I kind of knew that I was wrong, I actually Googled the etymology of understand, the word to understand. And it doesn't actually originally come from to stand under. Because in Old English, the word under, um, from which we get understand, in Old English, the word under doesn't mean underneath. It meant between or with or among. And so to understand originally meant to stand among, or that was the etymology, right? So our word understand, to know deeply, comes from a word that means to stand among, And that's very beautiful too, right? That when we understand someone, we don't only, we're not only under them, supporting them, bearing them, but we stand among them. We're with them. And that's very deep. Uh, the traditional understanding of knowledge. What what does it mean to know something? Well, philosophers like Aristotle and St. Thomas Aquinas, talk about knowledge as a union. And so when I I know a thing, I'm united with it in my mind. I'm united with it in my soul because I receive into myself the essence or the nature of the thing. And to know a person, to know anything, therefore entails a certain union, a certain closeness that I'm with that thing. That thing has become a part of me because of my mind's ability to know it. And St. Thomas talks about love in the same way. He says, just as the known, the object known is in the knower, so is the object loved, so is the beloved in the lover. When we love someone, we're united to them. They're in our heart. When we know someone, we're united to them. They're in our mind. They're in our soul. And this is our common experience, that when we understand where someone's coming from or we try to be understanding of our differences or their history, what their different opinions are, well, then we foster a greater capacity to love. We have a greater connection with them. We have more sympathy. We have more empathy. 
psychologically, we could say that barrier between us and others is broken down the more we try to understand them, right? The more we try to get them and think about where they're coming from and what makes them different and what they've been through. And that knowledge precisely helps us to bear with them and to, and to support their defects and to be patient with the way they might affect us negatively. Love is patient, St. Paul says in Corinthians. Therefore, impatience is not love. And we're connoisseurs of love, so we're going to work on our patience. Love is kind. Therefore, shortness or ill humor is not love. And so we're going to work on our sharp replies. And we're going to work on our fighting against our, our bad moods. Love bears all things. So we're going to work on our impatience. We're going to work to bolster our patience. We're going to reject rebellion against the way things are, the way people are. We're going to try to call out our refusal to bear things, our refusal to put up with things. Because that refusal to bear things is not love, right? Love bears all things. Charity, St. Josemaria writes, which is like a generous overflowing of justice, demands, first of all, the fulfillment of one's duty. The way to start is to be just. The next step is to do what is most equitable. But in order to love, a great refinement is required. And much thoughtfulness and respect and kindliness in rich measure. In other words, it involves following the apostles' advice. Carry one another's burdens. And thus you will fulfill the law of Christ. Then indeed we shall be living charity fully and carrying out the commandment of Jesus. For me, there is no clearer example of this practical union of justice and charity than the behavior of mothers. They love all their children with the same degree of affection, and it is precisely this same love that impels them to treat each one differently, with an unequal justice, since each child is different from the others. So in the case of our fellow men, charity perfects and completes justice. It moves us to respond differently to different people, adapting ourselves to their specific circumstances so as to give joy to those who are sad, knowledge to those who lack it, affection to the lonely. Justice says that each person should receive his due, which does not mean giving the same to everyone. Utopian egalitarianism can give rise to the greatest injustice. In order to act in this way always, the way good mothers do, we need to forget about ourselves and aspire to no other honor than that of serving others in the same way as Jesus Christ, who preached that the Son of Man has not come to be served, but to serve. This requires the integrity of being able to submit our own wills to that of our divine model, working for all men and women, fighting for their eternal happiness and well-being. I know of no better way to be just than that of a life of self-surrender and service the way good mothers do, right? Good mothers know how to deal with each child and love each child in the specific way that that child needs. And this is understanding, and this is a pure love. There's a purity of intention there 
right? The mother doesn't favor the child that is more pleasing to her. The mother makes sure to love each child, no matter how much she's getting back from any single one of them. Lord, you call us to a very high degree of love, purity of intention. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And you call us to your own love. New commandment, the new commandment our Lord will give us on Holy Thursday night is to love one another as he has loved us. Love one another as I have loved you. And it's important for us to contemplate that. This is very helpful for our own ability to live charity. Very helpful to empower our charity, which is to contemplate the love that God has for us, right? First of all, that, uh, you know, God loves me with an infinite love. Jesus is my friend. Jesus died on the cross for me. God is my father. And from there, right, to reflect on and understand and meditate on the fact that he loves everyone else in my life the same way. Everyone in my life is a special object of affection, of interest, of care to God. And God is patient with all of them. And God has a plan for all of them. And when we reflect on that, well, we can think, well, who am I? Right? Who am I not to love those who God loves so much? Right? It might be hard. It might take a struggle. But it's a struggle that, with his help, we can um, we can win. We can make progress in. We go to Our Lady, right? Mother of Fair Love, Mater Pulcre Delecciones, Mother of Pure Love, of Unadulterated Love. Help us to have a greater refinement in our love. Help us to be connoisseurs of fair love, of pure love, purifying our love of any self-interest, purifying our love of any bad self-love, purifying our love of any willful indifference, purifying our love of all forms of impatience, purify our love also of all lacks of understanding or lacks of a willingness to understand and therefore to be with and bear with people in love as God does. Our Lady, our Mother, pray for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.